1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. If you're listening to this, Mercury has officially left retrograde. So small wins, small wins. I am also sick right now, but hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I will be healed. So knocking on wood. Um, I'm really excited for this episode today. I kind of had a little bit of a therapy sesh with Mark. Truth be told, my partner and I had just had like kind of a little fight and fighting is normal and, you know, I can be really defensive during fights. And I feel like there's always a partner that like is defensive. And that's a good poll question that I'm going to ask now. But that is me. And it's something that I've been working through for a while, but I'm just not good at like taking feedback or anything that I think is like an attack on me or my character. Like it could be the littlest thing. Like I don't like to wash my hair more than like once or twice a week because I have very thin hair. And like, this is so stupid, but just bear with me here. And we had a fight the other day because he was like, oh, did you still not wash your hair? But I had washed it and I just like lost it. And it's so stupid. And you just have to like really put into perspective, like what actually matters when you're having a reaction to things and what doesn't. And that's why therapy is so important. So this episode with Mark was really helpful to show you so many different things from what it looks like to be codependent to how you know you're in love, how you know you, if your relationship is over, being defensive, and so much more. Before we get into that, I'm just going to answer a few of your questions and then we'll get right into Mark. So I had this conversation with a friend recently about how um, they were listening to an episode of Dax Dax's podcast and Dax is married to Kristen Bell. And he was saying that he, you know, wanted to break up with her. But then his mom said to him, you know, any issue or problem that you have in your relationship now will come up again in your next relationship. And I thought that was so interesting because I definitely agree that there's a lot of truth to that. However, your foundation for your relationship has to be really good. You can't want to break up because you don't think that this is like a person that makes you happy or, you know another like more serious reason it has to, I think this only works if you're like breaking up because you're like, this is hard. You know, if you're breaking up with someone because you think this is hard, but you love them, you're in love with them, you're still sexually attracted to them, like blah, blah, blah. I think that you need to like water your plant. Like what is the, it's, it always says like the grass is greener on the other side, but the grass is greener where you water it. So like you need to water your relationship if that is the case, I think. Because every relationship is going to go through something that is hard. And yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts on that. Somebody asked about rules and courtesies around relationships on social media. So I have a lot of thoughts on this. So my partner's not on social, but if he were, he would have to follow these rules too. And I think it's just like about respect. It's not like, oh my God, you better not do this. You better not do that. It's just respect your partner. So don't like other girls' thirst traps, you know, like that's just or guys thirst traps like that's just not super respectful unless it's like a friend of both of yours and you're hyping them up and like you know that your partner's hyping them up, you know. But if it's like an acquaintance thirst trap or someone they've hooked up with in the past, like don't do that. That's an unspoken rule. Don't respond to anyone's stories with like a fire emoji if it's like a photo of them. If it's like a sandwich, go for it. Send all the fire emojis you want, but if it's like a sexy photo or a photo of this person and you're sending fire emojis like that's just not that's not cute, it's not respectful. I don't really love couples who repost each other's stories. Like I I'm kind of vomiting from that. But like sure, like that's fine to do. I just think it can be it's like we get it. You guys are dating, you know. But I will say like if your partner posts a photo of you guys, it's sweet to comment on it. Maybe some hearts like it. Like, you should, I think you should like your partner's posts. You know, I don't see why you wouldn't or why you'd selectively do it. Like, they're your partner and you should be each other's biggest supporters. Like, Mark says in this episode, like, we should want our partners to win, we should set them up to win, not the other way around. And I really liked that. How to be vulnerable in a new relationship. Uh, this is something that I feel like I definitely had to work on in the beginning of my relationship. I'm just not good at being vulnerable in general. I feel like the second that I think that there's any possibility of this person like leaving or not being completely obsessed with me in that moment, like my immediate reaction is to be defensive as I talked about or like the shell comes up and I'm like, I need to protect myself. I'm going to get hurt. And so being vulnerable in a new relationship is like a conscious effort that you have to make. For me, I was able to do it by just communicating and like over communicating almost how I felt in a situation. Like for example, if let's say my partner had asked for some space, like I would totally respect that. But I would say like, just so you know, it you know makes me feel like you think that i like want to spend every moment together when in reality like i'm not you know what i mean like y- you can you can break down how you're feeling about something when something is said you know maybe they come home from work and they don't really want to like talk to you right away you can say like hey i you know i know we haven't seen each other all day like i would love to hear about your day like i know you're tired but it makes me really happy when we can connect like this, you know, or maybe it's maybe you say like, hey, we never go out on dates like just the two of us anymore. That's something that means a lot to me spending quality time together or like, hey, I noticed that we I don't know why I'm saying hey before all of these, but I noticed that we haven't been intimate in a while and it makes me feel really good when we're physically connected. Like, can we go have sex? you know, whatever it is, like that is vulnerability and not being afraid to say your feelings. Like when, like, like, okay, I didn't like your tone just now. And And the reason is it just made me feel like there was something that was bothering you. You know, like I'm so intuitive with my partner. I know every time, like every... And whenever something's wrong, I know. And I always bring it up and I say like, I can feel something's off. And sometimes he'll be like, no, like everything's fine. (laughs) And like, then like, you know, moments later, he'll be like, okay, you're right. You know, I was like getting in my head about this. And so don't be afraid to like, say how you feel, you know, it's like the more we hold it in, like the less we're benefiting. Random small confidence tips. I love this. We, so, we talk about this in the end of the episode with Mark. We talk about like tips for singles out there and like how to, you know, attract someone great. And he has some great tips. I would say confidence tips for me. I feel most confident when I am like being good to my body. When I'm working out, I feel most confident when I'm doing things for other people and I'm not just like in self and in ego. Like when I'm actively reaching out to my family members and checking in on them, being a good friend to my friends, like that is like a self-esteem thing because like it's like esteemable acts that I'm doing for people. Just like showing up for work things and like getting that stuff done on time. Another random confidence tip is like, you know, if you're not feeling good about like the way you look, like making an actual change doing something different with the way that you eat or the way that you speak to yourself. And therapy gives me so much confidence. Like when I leave therapy, I'm like on... I'm on one and in the best way possible because I'm like, I just did the work on myself and that is so cool. Lastly, tips for traveling with a new significant other. I would say make sure that you seek out the bathroom situation. Like Often when you're traveling for the first time, you're in like a small hotel room and the bathroom's like on your bed, basically. And it can be a lot when you haven't like talked about pooping or farting or whatever. Make sure that you can use the bathroom in the lobby or that maybe you start to have that conversation because that definitely brings you closer. I also think like don't feel pressure to like be having sex all the time just because you're on vacation. Like do what feels good and what feels right. I think also make sure that you know like what you're splitting or what they're paying for so there's no confusion about that. And make sure that like you're staying at a place that they're comfortable with and vice versa. I would say just like try to bring the positivity and the the good energy. And like if you're somebody that needs to be like alone for an hour a day, say like, I'm going to go on a walk and I'll be back. And then you'll be back and you'll have like so much good vibes because you did something for yourself. So don't forget about yourself while you're doing that trip and traveling. And I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. We have a very exciting announcement that's coming up. And I know how annoying that is to hear that and not actually know what the announcement is. But I'm telling you, it is so exciting. And I've been using Issue to create the whole... I can't really say what it is, but I'll tell you that it is. it has to do with a website. And Issue has been a dream to use because it's an all-in-one platform that creates and distributes beautiful digital content. So like marketing materials, magazines, brochures, maybe a shop, wink, wink, and so much more. Issue works with amazing tools that you probably already heard of and already use like InDesign, Dropbox, and Canva. Canva is like my go-to because it's kind of like Photoshop for dummies. And I can use it with issue, which is awesome. You don't have to reformat anything. Your content is already optimized for engagement and ready to share. If you are someone listening who is a designer, a marketer, just a creator, maybe you want to get started creating content for TikTok or Instagram, you can get started for free Or if you sign up for a premium account, you'll get 50% off when you go to issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME. That's issuu.com issue, but spelled issuu.com slash podcast and use promo code ACME at checkout for your free account or 50% off your premium account. issuu.com slash podcast promo code ACME. Many of you know this because you follow me on my food Instagram, Don't Expect Salads, but I'm not great at eating the things that give me the nutrients that I need. Surprise, surprise by the name of the account. But this is just what I've been like forever. And I wish I was better at like eating vegetables and whatever, but I'm just not. And so I started taking this multivitamin and it has truly balanced my body out like more than I can ever explain. If you haven't heard of Ritual, it's a vegan-friendly multivitamin. And it's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. So you're not going to find any sugars, any major allergens, no synthetic fillers, no artificial colorants or GMOs. And they have like a really good aftertaste. I know that some of these vitamins just like can make you gag after you take it. But Ritual is amazing. It's kind of like a minty, fresh taste afterwards. And for me, it's incredible because I get like the vitamin D3 that I need and all the high quality nutrients and just two daily pills. I like to take them in the morning because otherwise I will forget. So I'll take them right away when I wake up my probiotics and my multivitamin. If you haven't started Ritual or started trying it, you can get 10% off during your first three months if you visit ritual.com slash Acme to start your new ritual today. Get the key ingredients without the BS. 10% off your first three months if you visit ritual.com slash Acme and start yours today. Hi, I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra. My passion, calling, and job is really all about blending together holistic practices with real evidence-based science to help people around the world cultivate more optimism, success, and resiliency. You won't wanna miss this new podcast as you'll get to hear from elite athletes, recording artists, couples, and maybe even my toddler. So if you're into arming yourself with some new practical happiness tools, join me on Mondays for your morning optimism dose. Oh, and don't forget, things are looking up. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with human connection specialist, Mark Groves. Hey Mark.
1: Hey, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be having this chat.
0: Yeah, so am I. I've been following you for a bit and you always touch on subjects that we touch on on this podcast. So I'm very excited to hear your opinion. But we'll just start with, you know, how old are you and where are you from?
1: I'm 42 and I am from originally in Calgary, Canada. And then I, I'm so used to saying I live in Vancouver, but now I actually just moved back to Calgary. So I'm from Calgary and I live in Calgary.
0: It's so funny. I feel like it's always Canadians that like know way more about relationships than than
1: Americans. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like Canada in a lot of ways is because you know how we make a joke that Canadians say sorry about everything Uh that maybe we because, you know, relationally, people who seek out relational information tend to be the ones who are more afraid of conflict or like, that's actually not even the right term, that from like an evolutionary survival perspective, need to learn the nuance of language. And Canadians, we apologize for everything. So I think maybe we seek relational information because we are a codependent country,
0: you know? Yeah, that's really funny. It's possible. Um, And Mark, what's your current relationship status?
1: Uh, In a relationship, been with my partner for six years. Her name's Kylie and um, we broke up for a year. At, at like year four and a bit and then got back together last year.
0: Interesting. So yeah. Let's unpack that for a little bit. Um, well, it. I am like of the belief that uh, you like, you know, if you get back, if you break up, there's always a reason and like you should never get back together. But I am trying to be less black and white in my thinking. So please tell me how you guys came to that decision.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm very similar to you. So like I never got back together with an ex ever in my mm-hmm. life. Um, and I'd like to say that was all by my choice, but that certainly wasn't by my choice. I certainly pined after exes before, uh, but I did have this belief that like sort of once it's over, it's over. Right. And, you know, I, I never really looked at it from the lens cause that was sort of pre relational understanding. Um, you know, when I had that point of view, I guess when we broke up, we broke up because we were just at an impasse, you know, like I wanted to start having a family. She, It showed as she wasn't ready for that yet. That was sort of the content that her and I were looking at. Um, But really we broke up because there was still a lot of healing that was remaining for her from previous relational stuff. And also just family dynamics and codependency. Like we still had codependent patterns in our relationship and neither of us, what really fractured the relationship in the end was that we couldn't see it at the time, you know, but we were just like, look, like there's, we've done everything we can. We've gone to psychotherapy together. We both work in this area. We communicate a lot. We both recognize each other's spaces and where we're at. And it was just like, we just can't make this work. No matter how much we love each other, it's just Mm -hmm. not working. And it would have been seen, you know, and not to dismiss this for other people, but it would have been seen as like a timing sort of issue.
0: Right. And so what is the difference between your relationship now, like post break or breakup and before when you were together?
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference is that we're both free and in the relationship, which is what I mean by that is, so often we're in relationships and that codependent dynamic is like, I need you to need me or the other person is, feels like they have something wrong with them. They can't keep up. They don't understand something enough or whatever it might be. And so now there's none of that. There's no hierarchy in our relationship. There's no one person's more wounded than the other. There's none of that. It's like, we're both adults (laughs) dating each other, which, you know, if you had asked me when we were together, are you both adults? I would have said, yeah. However, if you had asked, did I feel free in the relationship or, or asked Kylie, you know, her and I have explored all of this stuff on my podcast because, you know, it's such, it's so layered. If you had asked her, she likely would have said no as well, you know, in that there's the, the dynamics that we've been taught about relationship that like, let's say men need to be the provider and Mm -hmm. women need to be, um, provided for in some way that already creates a hierarchy. Look at what Disney teaches us, that women need to be saved. Also, I've been really fascinated by how Disney always makes it so apparent dies or abandons. Like right, it's very, always, always. The, the programming is so deep. And so, you know, it, it was interesting. So for my side, what was really fascinating was looking at like how me paying for something in some way created like this expectation or or that I garnered power from it. And so now that none of that's there it's all explicit which doesn't mean I can't pay for something it's just that if there's an unconscious where i have a feeling in my body that i'm like oh she's going to owe me or something like that it would be brought explicit now it would be
0: Meaning, communicated so you you like make sure that you are both like over communicating every time like something comes up that like could be misinterpreted or like a possible resentment
1: yeah yeah like the layers that normally a woman or a man or a person might just behave in a behavior in a relationship because of expectation.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: We're more mindful of so that both people are being uh, feel free. And, you know, this is such a fascinating thing because, you know, you think of what we inherit relationally people say, you know, vows like till death do us part. And Mm -hmm. women said to honor and obey. I mean, like who, if people are still saying that stuff, it's, it's a fascinating exploration because you start to think, okay, well, when those vows were first created, it was a very different relational structure, right? you know, but not for everybody, but for a lot of people, it was very different. When you start to unpack how what we inherited and what we are taught and all of those things, you start to see how much they linger in your relational dynamics. You start to see, like, why is it so challenging often for a woman to find her voice or to express what her needs or wants are? Why do women study relational dynamics far more than men do? I mean... I would imagine you're listening, your listeners are probably skew far more female, certainly. Oh, totally. Right. Same with Create the Love and my podcast. And, and that's, as I said at the very beginning, that's sort of due to the fact like, hey, women had to learn about relational dynamics and how to walk on eggshells because if they couldn't manage or minimize anger or, or aggression, it could actually lead to harm, mm-hmm. you know, and and there's also the evolutionary influence of like when a woman gets pregnant, you have now 40 weeks where really they're more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So there was a need to understand emotional connection more. So we sort of explore and continue to have this open dialogue. And I certainly have it out loud as to how do our biology, how does our biology influence these things? How does evolution influence these things and how do you, If you're not paying attention to what you're choosing and doing, how you could just sort of go through life, feeling totally resentful of your partner, but that'd be normal because, you know, I remember when I started to wake up to the conversation about relationship, I remember thinking like, oh, people get married and they stay together and they stay in love. But when I like woke up and started asking questions about relationships, I was like, oh, there's tons of people that don't even like each other who are
0: together. Right, right. And
1: I was like, why do we do that? That doesn't make any sense. And it really led me to start studying relationships on a much deeper level. And, you know, I think uh, as with most things, we become the teacher we needed. So my journey is always just this like deeper dive to understand for myself first and to really just have the conversation out loud in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. And you've done a lot of like work around or like a lot of posts I've seen about like green flags in relationships. And we talk often about like red flags and deal breakers, but not so much things that are good that are showing up in relationships. And I actually am really curious like, if you were to choose between being in a couple who like never, you know, fight versus being in a couple who like fights, often, but it's like, you know, because they're maybe expressing themselves versus the other, just like, I I don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. what would you say is like a better place to be? Or is there no one size fits all? Like when it comes to dating?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it would first matter what someone defines as fighting. You know, I think conflict is, I would not, want to operate in a relationship without conflict because conflict is mm-hmm. so important. That's how you take two different perspectives and point of views and needs and find what is sort of the relational agreement or mission that we're, we're creating together. I, you know, in the research from the Gottmans, they talk about like, it's not that good couples don't fight. It's just that they fight fair. It's how they fight. That's different. And for me, that that's everything. is like learning the language in order, you know, I, I, teach and use the language of in my experience when this happens, because when you say in my experience, right, it already creates space for your experience. It already says like, Oh, this is only mine and you have a perspective too. So there's like space for both of our, our uh, worldview, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting way of putting it. And I feel like how you fight is like, so telling, like, are you familiar with the Gottman Institute?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gottmans. I, I was. I just um, was mentioning their research because that's their research that shows that it's that they fight fair. You know, right. they, that good couples do fight. Yeah, tell me more about what your thoughts are on it.
0: No, I was just thinking about like the four horsemen, which is like mm-hmm. stonewalling. I think I'm like I'm blanking on the other ones, but just like you know behaviors during fighting that are not okay versus like you know behaviors that could like make the quote unquote fights progress your relationship, which is like what you know, we all want, I think.
1: Yeah, who knew that conflict was actually the gateway to deeper intimacy. And I think it's always important to point out, not abuse or emotional abuse or gaslighting. No. Because often people in those circumstances are like, oh, conflict's good. Okay, I can stay in this. No, under no circumstances, uh, healthy conflict doesn't feel like abuse. You know, it feels, although it can feel dysregulating in it, and you mentioned the Four Horsemen, which, you know, when the Gottmans listen to just 20, when they listen to 20 hours of a couple converse, they can predict with over 94% accuracy of yeah, the, the force.
0: That's crazy. If they just do three minutes,
1: three minutes, and they can predict with over 80, 80%. So, yeah, I totally agree. It's like, that is crazy because you're like, what? Wait. So, that's how important our words are. That's how important it is the way that I deliver and engage with your experience. And that's an art. That's we learn it. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's nice to be born into a family that modeled really good conflict resolution. I would imagine ninety. nine yeah, five. I don't right? know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, well, same. Even though my parents certainly had a, a good relationship and right. have a good relationship. Right, same. They did not manage. You know, if you're listening, mom and dad, uh, you, didn't, <laughs> you didn't. You know, and we've talked about that. You know, there was a lot right. of. Criticism and defensiveness. And so, what did I have as an adult? I, I was very, very defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and anytime I even got feedback. So, I was like super highly sensitive and still can be. If yeah. my partner is giving me feedback, I can feel my nervous system be like getting ready to protect.
0: Me too. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're the same.
0: Yeah. Well, just out of curiosity, because we're into astrology on the podcast, when is your birthday?
1: November 10th. Oh,
0: you're a Scorpio. Scorpio and a what Scorpio. about your partner?
1: She is, uh, July 4th. a cancer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So you guys are like very in tune with your emotions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that my survival strategy as a kid was to sort of like manage conflict and like minimize I was the youngest. So, so, and and perhaps that's due to my birth time and Uh for her similar. So yeah, we're definitely both like You know, if your survival strategy as a kid was to minimize conflict and take care of everyone's needs and Mm -hmm. whatever, not that I had to do all those things, you'll be highly attuned to emotion, highly attuned. And and that's where it can become a superpower. I think the things that we learned as kids to survive when they don't have boundaries and they're not curated in a healthy way, they get in the way of connection when they're curated and, and really honored and boundaried then they become superpowers because you become highly attuned to other people's experience without, without putting your nose in their business when you shouldn't. And also without taking responsibility for their stuff, which is hard.
0: That's really interesting. Do you think that you could be like very attuned to someone's emotions, but not to your own?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you were like all about taking care of everyone else's and the idea of your own feelings one it's there it didn't matter even if you had feelings no one was listening to you or life was about someone else's feelings maybe someone who was angry or even someone like i think one of the most challenging ones is when someone has someone who's in their family who has a chronic illness where everything was about them right so yeah you become highly attuned to other and also take responsibility for other people's feelings and don't take it for your own and i mean ultimately that's the recipe for pins
0: guys, I'm freaking out because if I didn't love Saqqara enough already, if I didn't take their probiotics every day, drink their detox tea after everything that I consume, am obsessed with their beauty bars, et cetera, et cetera. Like their metabolism bar just blew me away. It is so good. Like, I can't even explain to you. It's good for you. It helps bloating. It helps everything. Like, not to be TMI, but like I've gone to the bathroom more this week because of this bar than any other week ever. And that's like a really hard thing for me. So that means a lot to me. So Cara, if you haven't already heard me talk about it, which I feel like I always am, is an amazing company that creates these chef-crafted plant-rich meals and they build a foundation for truly radiant health. It's like you can change your diet without having to restrict yourself, without having to limit yourself, but actually feeling nourished with their amazing meals. I love their breakfast, but their breakfast, lunches, and dinners are all delicious. Their menu is like chef-crafted and you can change up what you're getting before it comes if there's something that you don't like, but I can't imagine there's anything that you wouldn't like, honestly. And as I mentioned before, they offer daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. I love their detox tea. You can also experience their transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao, and it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. You can make it in a little pudding. You could put it in your smoothie... Or you can order the bars because they're absolutely amazing. Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off your first order when you go to sakara.com slash ACME and enter code ACME20 at checkout. That's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash ACME to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash ACME. The summer is the best time to focus on your skin because you're in the sun, you're you know running around, the weather is hot... And you still have to prioritize your skin because when the weather changes, so does your skin. If you haven't heard of Osea, Osea makes clean and safe skincare products since 1996. They are a family who has developed these amazing products in Malibu, and they're responsibly sourced plant-derived ingredients that are good for your skin and for the planet. It's female-founded, and as I mentioned, family operated by a mother and daughter team. They truly know what they're doing. I don't know what's going on down there in Malibu, but everyone I've ever met who goes to Malibu has amazing skin. So let me tell you, you have to try Osea if you haven't already. I'm using their cleanser every single night before bed and it goes on so soft. And then it also smells amazing. Like when I wash it off, I'm like, oh, that was incredible. And they also have the Undaria algae body oil which is great. You can incorporate it into your skincare routine and you'll really love the sustainable packaging and the design. It's like these beautiful glass bottles, like very luxurious and nothing feels greasy or sticky. You feel good after you use these products. And that's the key here. You can try Osea risk-free for 30 days and get free shipping on orders over $50. They even send free samples with every order because who doesn't love a free sample? Come on. Get 10% off your first order with promo code ACME at OseaMalibu.com. That's 10% off with code ACME at OseaMalibu, O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com. Promo code ACME for 10% off. Someone asked this question and I think it's so interesting and I I would love to hear your answer because it's really hard for me to put it into words. um, But I feel like you're more eloquent when it comes to this subject. But like someone asked just how do you know when you've fallen in love with somebody? Kind of versus like lust or, you know, it just being, you know, something passing.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a learned too, because if our what we call chemistry or attraction has led us to people who aren't good for us. Then we know that, you know, cause often someone in that situation will say, but it's chemistry. Like I don't have a choice. Like this is the person I have chemistry with. And it infers this idea that you have to just chase whatever your loins tingle for, you know, but that, like that there's not a, a choice between what you desire and what you pursue. And so if we learned as kids that, you know, love was chaos, love was unpredictable, love was not reliable by our family system. Um, And even some of our early uh, relational experiences, we might then continue to seek that as familiar. And so Mm -hmm. I wish it was something like you just know, you know when you know, but we know that when someone says that, they're often (laughs) in dysfunctional relationships or even sometimes abusive relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I would say to someone like, if your chemistry has drawn you to someone who's not good for you, then you know, your chemistry is actually drawing you to learn how to say no to what's not good for you. So it's serving a purpose. And then if you had asked me this at 22 or 27, I would have said uh, that I would not have said that love is really calm. Love is predictable. Love is free. Love is reliable. And most of the time when we're, we think that those things have to not be sexy, right? Like that those things can't come with someone you also want to you also want to bang, you know? Right. So, so there's this idea that there's a choice between reliability and sort of someone who's more of a, I don't know, a bad boy or whatever we might mm-hmm. call it. As opposed to seeing that what really creates desire, because so often when we end up with someone like that, it's codependency. So we lose our own selves. We lose our own identity, but no one wants to have sex with someone that they blame for the loss of their identity, the loss of the pursuit of their passions. So what has to happen is both people have to learn how to hold on to who they are and pursue their passions in the container of the relationship. So they don't mesh together and become one, but they rather stay two people. And the relationship itself becomes a container that keeps growing to hold both of them. It's, mm. ir- it's weird to think that you have to take some sort of trade-off for a relationship. And certainly there are times, but I think that's the difference between like compromise and sacrifice. Sacrifice says that you're giving something up, compromise, although you might uh, for a moment compromise something, lose something in that moment, it is contributing to deeper intimacy and more trust in the relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you know... If you're codependent versus just like, enjoy spending time, a lot of your time with your partner.
1: Yeah. It's hard to differentiate, right? Because then people are like, wait, am I codependent? Well, if you take responsibility for other people's feelings, if you make your life about trying to fix them, about trying to get them to read a book, trying to get them to change, trying to, if you date addicts, if you date anyone with any type of addiction, if you're constantly, your work is in getting them do something. So Mm. really what codependency is a circular relational structure that is one person needs the other person. So if I'm the one who, you know, in Harriet Lerner's work, she'd call it under functions. So the other side of the codependent dynamic might be someone who identifies as a fuck up or they just don't have it figured out. And they're always like, it's always my problems. So I'm the issue. I'm the one who's struggling with the addiction with the thing. Uh, I'm not a good communicator. And the other person is trying to get them to become that thing. And so one person is not adulting, right? Mm -hmm. And the other person is also not adulting because they're doing all the work for two people and it's exhausting. So
0: interesting. Right. Even if it's something as simple as like one person wanting the other person to see a therapist.
1: Great question. No, but it's can you allow the other person to show up and actually book the therapy, appoint them themselves? Like if mm-hmm. I say to you, here's a need that I have, I need you to, you know, bring, I need you to bring up some conversations. Like I feel like I'm the one who always initiates, you know, we hear those types of things. We have to leave the space for the other person to do the things, you know, and that's mm-hmm. how people grow into being adults, you know, and that's why the healing of any form of addiction is not the continuing to enable, which is ultimately what happens when we're the ones booking all the things. Right. It has to come from them. Exactly.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay. So we went over how, you know, if you fell in love on the other side of it, like how do you know when it's over with somebody because there's you know, there's your situation where like you might've thought it was over with your partner and like, here you are together.
1: I mean, when we, when our relationship ended, it ended. We had
0: a closing Mm -hmm. ceremony.
1: We ceased communication. You have to move forward as if the relationship is over because it is. And so, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, if, even though I thought about her, I knew that I could no longer go back to the relationship we were in. So I always think when someone says, like, should we get back together? I'm always like, that's really the wrong question. It's, it's you should be able to mo- meet them moving forward. Like, you, they should be doing the work and you should be doing the work. And if you get to a place where they're in your future, it's because they're doing the work to be in your future. Right. Like, you shouldn't have to go backwards to be in relationship. And so that's really like, how do you know you should get back together really comes down to what have they done with the time that they've had? Because mm-hmm. so many people say, "Well, I've changed this. I've done this," and have you? Because you know, as soon as you get back together, then they go back to the old behaviors. And I, both of us, really had no tolerance or desire to do anything over again. Right? We had we had learned enough from that circumstance, uh, those circumstances that were like the real lesson for me and for her was to move forward and to break up. Those mm. both of those acts. We're reclamations of ourselves individually. And, you know, when there's a great book called Too Good to Leave, Too Bad to Stay. So I think anyone in those circumstances, that's a great book to sort of explore it. Right. Um, The question I always ask people is Is staying or going abandoning you? That's a great question. And the other one is If they actually changed everything, they became everything you wanted, would you want them? Mm -hmm. Would you actually want to be with them? And oftentimes when one person does heal, right? You see this with addiction. Someone heals their addiction. They're no longer an alcoholic or whatever. And the other person starts to go kind of bananas because their whole life was, was fixing Exactly. So yeah. their addiction is trying to fix other people when really what they desire is the unconsciously is to invest in themselves.
0: That's really interesting. And then like on that same note, it's like, what can you come back from in a relationship versus not? So for example, let's say, you know, lack of intimacy and like your, you know, your sex is dwindling with somebody and you're not like feeling excited about doing that with them versus like just feeling like you're, you know, tiptoeing around your partner. Like everything you say, they could like blow off the fuse or, you know, that like using those two examples, like are those things that you could come back from? Do you feel like those are the beginnings of like, it's over? Well,
1: intimacy issues are always relational issues. So what shows up as we don't desire each other anymore, but you did once. So where did it go? Right. Mm-hmm. So it's usually like breaking of trust. I don't trust you. So there's not a, an emotional safety. So how can I enter a physically intimate space with you? Mm-hmm. And, can you recover from it? For sure. Because I'd say most of the time that's unspoken things that need to be brought forward and likely even show up in the intimacy container too. Like, can you actually express what you truly desire? Can you have boundaries around intimacy? Can you ask exactly for what you want? Most of us, when intimacy starts to dwindle or we lack that spark, it's because we've not honored ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we've not, we've not stood up for ourselves. We don't have boundaries. Um, and the other side, I mean, having explosive communication, let's say at some point they didn't, that's again, likely needing an external intervention, like a therapist or a coach who's skilled at that, because the converse the communication has gotten to a place where people are talking about the same things over and over again, having the same fights. Right? It's be- yeah. It's because they're still caught in an old cycle and to get through that cycle, the breakthrough is for one and both people, but usually one has to start. To change. So if you've always been defensive, then healing defensiveness will deepen a conversation. Because if normally someone said to me, Hey Mark, you're being defensive right now, and I said, No, I'm not, like, fuck, get fucked. You know, I don't want to have this conversation, or I hang up the phone, or I leave, or I break up, or whatever it is. The moment I say, I can hear some truth in what you're saying, or you're right, I am being defensive. I'm now in a conversation I've never been in before. You know, and now I can hear you and People who are defensive, I always say this because I'm still a recovering defender, is there's usually truth in the other person's words. And that's always a great question to ask yourself. Is there truth in what they're
0: saying? It's true. And I feel like I'm definitely like that as well. And I guess like you talked about how that person has to heal like that defensiveness, but is that done in couples therapy or on your own in therapy? Or does it not matter?
1: It could be done in both. You know, when I worked with couples, I would work with one each one individually one week and then together the next week because I think it's important that we explore what's below that. But you can do it together for sure in the same room. And it is generally done with someone else because it's helpful to have someone else regulate the nervous systems of the other two people and control the elevation of the conversation. So if one person you know it, there's a great dialogue which people can learn it just feels pretty clinical at first and it needs to feel clinical because it's a totally different way of communicating it's called a mago dialogue i m a g o and it's done um, it's from the book getting the love you want by uh, harville hendricks and i forget the co-author's name but in that book they and even if you look up a dialogue it shows you it's it's it shows you how to have a conversation where one person literally just has to listen Mm-hmm. understand and mirror back what they heard. That's their whole job is to amp- to validate and listen and and mirror it back. And what's so fascinating is working with, like I remember working with this one couple where she would get highly critical, like assert, very aggressive, mm-hmm. and he would shut down. And I remember when we were doing this dialogue, I was like, okay, so how do you feel about what he said? She's like, I have a lot of opinions about what he's saying. You know, she like, actually she interrupted him. That's right. She's like, I have a lot of opinions about what he's saying. Can I share those opinions? And I was like, no, no, Mm -hmm. you can't. Mm -hmm. Because that flooded his nervous system so much that that extra energy where she would just turn up his body could attune so much to her nervous system, getting constricted and getting revved up that it would cause him to lose his ability to even have language. Now he came from a childhood where his parents were abusive to him. So that's why you like start when you have someone who's separate, who's saying like, like I'm calm and I'm regulating the space between these two things. It allows both people to start to, you know, see more and hear more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important to do with someone else. Is it yeah. necessary? No. But I think it's important.
0: And it's not like a red flag if you want to do that before you take the next step in your relationship to like get engaged and get married. And it's, it's, it's a green like preventative, flag. Yeah.
1: That's a green flag. That is like, who wouldn't want to learn that, especially before you get married? Marriage does not fix things. It just it highlights them.
0: That's all mm-hmm. it does. Mm-hmm. Just
1: magnifies I, it.
0: I couldn't agree more. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your app called Mind. M I N E. Apostrophe D. So, what does it mean to be the first, the world's first social emotional network? What does that entail?
1: Yeah, you know, that was, uh, I'm sure everyone's experienced this on social media, but social media can be such an incredibly toxic place. You know, in the research where they show once someone goes to Instagram and Facebook, they actually leave feeling worse about themselves. Yeah. We're like, what would it be like to create a network? where you go to and you can learn about all these relational things. You can learn about sex. You can learn about your relationship to money. You can learn about all this stuff. And you actually leave having more understanding about yourself and feeling better about yourself and also being surrounded by other people who are doing the same thing. You know, so it's, I mean, it's exciting because it feels like it's on the precipice of something we all desire to escape the toxicity that, that social media can be.
0: And so it's like, daily on demand emotional wellness sessions does that mean it's like kind of like group therapy in a way it's
1: like peloton had a baby with netflix you know <laughs> yeah. we have we have live and on demand classes and they're from one to many so it would be like me teaching and there might be like let's say up to i don't know 5 800 people on a session And they can comment and do all the things. And then if, you know, a lot of our series, like the session might be part of a series, like I have a series on uh, dating and uh, one that I'm just doing right now on codependency. And so it would become part of a series and you could go binge watch all the former ones. And, you know, it's, I hope that, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I also like, I'm a huge fan of the feeling of group therapy. Like I love, I love, my one-on-one sessions, but I—I'll just say that like I'm in a program where I can talk about my feelings with other people, and there's nothing like it. Like there really is nothing it's like the it. Best.
1: I think what happens so much because I've both been a participant in group therapy and uh, coaching, and also led them. And even from what's so fascinating to watch on Mind, even though because it's through chat, right? People are mm-hmm. commenting. Is that that experience that you're talking about, at least for me in group therapy was that I didn't feel like the only one. And I'd learned through someone else's question. Like I couldn't verbalize. I didn't know how to use the words in the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's so, what I noticed so much is that people feel witnessed. Like they're like, oh, there's other people who struggle with this thing. And and I think that's one of the things about challenges in life, love, and relationships is they often cause us to want to isolate ourselves thinking no one will understand what I'm going through, not realizing that the thing you're going through is actually what makes people relate to you right. and, 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 right. see, and create understanding.
0: And that's why, and I'm sure you can agree with this, like having a podcast is such an amazing platform when you're honest, because that's when yeah. people like really are like, wow, I, I can't believe like, you know, everyone else is like this too, which is wonderful. I have one more question for you and then we're going to do some rapid fire Ooh, poll questions, rapid fire. Um, which is always fun. But my question to you is like, we talked a lot about relationships. We talked a lot about, you know, how to know you're in love, how to know it's over. I want to talk to the listener who has not had a relationship for a while, maybe is feeling like they're getting older, like is feeling like, what is wrong with me that I haven't found this person. Um, what is your advice to those people? And I'm sure you, you hear from them all the time of kind of just like how to either manifest that person, attract that person or what they can do to work on themselves to find that person.
1: Yeah. That person, I've been that person, you know, and it, you know, when you're driving down the street in, in that state and you see like a happy couple on the corner and you're like, why the fuck do they get that? You know, you have that. Yeah. And I remember having this moment where I did that years ago and I thought like, why am I actually saying, why don't I have that instead of, I can't wait to find that? Like, why am Mm. I resenting what they have instead of admiring what they have? Because it completely shifted my energetic when I had that awareness. You know, first there's, the one thing is that this idea that, and we've created this in society, that if you're in a relationship, then you're somehow doing better than someone who is not. And that's happened through questions like, why are you single? As if you have some sort of ailment because you're single and it's perpetuating this idea that being in a relationship validates that you're worthy of being chosen. And Mm. so your worthiness comes from being chosen, not from just being. Mm. And so it's important to recognize all of the underlying narratives that society has created. Like if you're married, you're better than than someone who's engaged, who's better than someone who's dating, who's better than someone who's single, and God forbid, someone who's divorced. So we've created this hierarchy of relational status. And we've also said that if your relationship lasts 70 years, you're doing better in a relationship that lasted a year. And Mm -hmm. I would argue that longevity is certainly a marker of relational success, but there's lots. Of people but not
0: happiness, use. yeah,
1: exactly. So well-being. So first, I'd say assess whether relational status is where you store your worth and most of us it is. And then the reclamation of that is starting to pursue things you love, starting to understand where does that come from? Who taught you right. that? Get pissed off about it because it's mm-hmm. not okay. And then start to pursue passions. If you weren't you know getting into that state of victim mindset, which is really what that is, is you'll be seeking someone, To pick you so you feel worthy of being picked. So that means if they don't pick you, your self-worth depends on that. So they'll feel the pressure of the relational Mm -hmm. choice, having to band-aid your own inability to sit in your aloneness. And so to me, I think it's start to own your stuff, start to take responsibility for your life, start to eat nutritious foods, exercise, start to do big adventures, start to do everything that fills your heart up because that's where you'll meet someone doing the same thing. Right. And, and I, you know, I wish it was like a more complex rest answer, but it, the simplicity of it is start engaging in, in actual change. And, you know, a lot of people will say, I want to be in a relationship and I can't meet anyone and they're not doing anything.
0: Yeah. You have to do something. You can't, you can't just sit and like pray for someone to bust right. into your apartment. Like.
1: Right. Like the secret, you still got to do shit.
0: Right. You know? And that's
1: like the science of optimism or the science of luck, which is really interesting as they took unlucky people, they studied them. And of course, unlucky people are like, I can't wait for you to study how unlucky I am. So I can <laughs> right. prove. And uh-huh. then they took lucky people and they studied what they did. And then Attitude. they taught. Yeah. They taught unlucky people what they did and unlucky people became lucky because it really was the science of optimism or what someone else might know as the secret, which yeah. is they, they saw possibility in everything. You know, They took new opportunities whenever they could. They were constantly living on the edge of adventure. And Ram Dass has this quote where he says that uh, miracles are just a way of reminding us that we don't know how it works. And I know for me, one thing that I did and I continue to do is I wake up every morning just expecting a miracle whatever that even might be and when you start seeking and looking for validation of that which is a confirmation bias is the way the brain works if i'm mm-hmm. like no one good is out there insert this city is the worst place today because everyone says that right you'll you'll find the answer if there's there's no good people out there you'll only find not good people
0: right if you think there's so many amazing people out there you're going to find those people
1: Yes, 100% you will. Because you'll start hanging out in places where they are because you are one of them.
0: Right. Exactly. I love that. That's so helpful for people. Okay. Some rapid fire. These are like silly, um, but we do these poll questions on our Instagram. So are thirst traps overrated and immature or do they genuinely work? Do you know what a thirst trap is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a booty <sighs> pick,
1: right? Uh-huh. Um, well, I think you're Getting someone for the wrong reasons. So they might work if your goal is to get a relationship. But if right. you're trying to get a relationship for being met on a deep level, hmm. no, no pun intended, then you <laughs> yes, they don't work, then they don't work because right. it really, I would say, could indicate a red flag of low self-confidence. Not always, but
0: mm-hmm. often I feel that. Is it normal to ask your significant other to delete photos of their ex off their phone's camera roll? Or is that controlling?
1: Feels controlling to me.
0: I agree. Can you be completely happy with your relationship of over two years, but still have a work crush on a coworker?
1: I think you can desire other people, but you shouldn't allow the energetic to go in that direction. So you can still be happy, of course. And what does that energy take away from what you could invest in yours?
0: Mm. It's interesting. You're on a trip with another couple and they're fighting the whole time. Should you say something to them or just enjoy your trip or try to?
1: I would maybe offer a reflection Mm. if it got to a certain point, but I wouldn't overfunction for them. Mm. I would maybe even want to separate from them if I had to, because I'm not going to sit around and listen to people yell at each other.
0: Yeah, that's bad vibes. You invited your significant other to your Father's Day celebration with your dad, and they don't bring your dad a small gift or anything. Is that okay or not okay?
1: I think I should be in charge of the gift for my
0: dad and make it from us. Mm, that's interesting. I like that perspective. Like, you're if you're going there as like a team, then it should be yeah. from you too feels
1: like an odd expectation to just lop on them too, you know? Like, you didn't get my dad anything, you're a bad person, you know, as opposed to maybe the fact that I didn't tell you makes the red flag. Right, communicate
0: it. Like, yeah, I do that. I do that all the time with my partner. Like, you know, he he, I'm sure would get it on his own. But if I'm like, oh, we're going to, you know, see my mom and like, I'll remind you, oh, she just had surgery. So like, if you want to like bring like flowers, I'm going to bring this, whatever, or you just sign them both names.
1: Yeah, you're like setting him up for success, which is ultimately right. what we should do, as With, opposed to trying to trap them. in right. how they didn't show up, as opposed to like, I think that points. What you're saying is is dead on. That it points to something that we don't often do, which is let our partner win if we if we score right. keep in order to have power.
0: Mm. I like that. That's really interesting. Um, Mark, you have said like a few different quotes throughout this episode that are great, but do you have one quote that's kind of like your go-to or just has like helped you, or maybe it's a piece of advice that has guided you throughout the years?
1: There is one quote that is from the Gottmans that actually makes me, um, like whenever I read it, it makes me kind of emotional. And it is something along the lines of, True relationship masters don't leave each other in pain. They repair, they restore, and that's what separates them from everyone else. Is they they don't want their other partner to suffer even mm. in conflict. And you know, I think I the only thing I'd add to that that personally has been a, a powerful experience of awareness was when I recognized that I often knew things, but wasn't living them. So I would learn something through a mistake, but I wouldn't change. And so I made this rule when I was 32. Took me a while. Adulting has taken me some time.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: and it was that I would always live at my highest level of knowledge. So as soon as I knew something, I had to change. And I made that just the connection to my integrity because you're truly free if you have honored all of the mistakes you've made by implementing them into who you are.
0: Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that quote. And I have taken so much away from this episode. I can't even explain to you. Um, So really, thank you so much. Where can everybody find you, follow you, and download Mind? So you can download Mind at
1: downloadmind.com. Uh, you can find me anywhere on Instagram. I'm at create the love, Facebook, that as well. My podcast is Mark Ropes podcast and create the com is where my courses are. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so appreciate much. You.